Save us and protect us from the the COVID virus. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eradicate it and make it disappear. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us, inshallah, health and barakah and afia. We are here doing Surah Al Ghafir otherwise known as Surah Al-Mu'min. Could I get the other mic? We'll be starting, inshallah, from ayah number 21. There you go. Bismillah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This ayah 21 in Surah Al-Qafir. Surah Al-Mu'min, Surah number 40. أَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ كَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ كَانُوا هُمْ أَشَدَّ مِنْهُمْ قُوَّةً وَأَثَارًا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَأَخَذَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِذْنُوبِهِمْ وَمَا كَانَ لَهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَاقٍ That the Surah is about the one who forgives or the one who is a believer Al-Mu'min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, taking us towards the person who believed from the family of Fir'aun and hid his Iman and exposed it only when Musa salam was uh, threatened with death by Fir'aun so this is a prelude to that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing that the um, understanding we have from the Qur'an and Sunnah is that everything has a cause and effect. And uh, you will see how human history plays out the same way. That there is cause and there is effect. So what is the cause for civilizations and nations and communities to disappear and to decline, basically? So this ayah speaks of that decline in civilizations, even though there are great civilizations. And addressing the kuffar of Makkah primarily, 
as this was revealed in Mecca, speaking to the Quraysh, Allah subhanahu do they not see that have they not traveled throughout the earth which the Quraysh did they were travelers so that they can see what was the fate of those before them so traveling on earth was something that the Quraysh was very capable of doing they traveled to Yemen they traveled to Syria they traveled to Ethiopia they traveled almost anywhere they wanted to. So they traveled and they saw the ruins and the remnants and the relics of other civilizations. Allah is saying that you must look at them. You must observe them. You must think of them and study them. That they were much more severe than them in power and authority and in domination, meaning much more powerful than the Quraysh themselves. And that is how you must, uh, you know, see how they, 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 they had athar, they left a legacy in the earth that others came and they also left. Why did they leave? Allah seized them because of their sins. Okay. So here we see a cause and effect. The cause is the sin and the effect is the disappearing of civilization. Okay. So this in the world of uh, ethics and morals and behavior, in the world of Tawheed, in the world of Iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this is the lesson of history. It's a very simple lesson. It's not complicated. It's very simple. That if you do good deeds, Allah will preserve you. And if you do bad deeds, Allah will punish you and even destroy you. So this is a very simple reading of a historical phenomenon that if Muslims were to think about this the simplicity of the message is so grand and so beautiful that uh, we should take heed and they had no protector from Allah there was no one there to protect them from Allah's punishment, Allah's seizure Allah caught them, captured them, punished them, and so on. So the divine cause uh, and the divine effect. Okay. So those people who might object and say, why does God punish people? Say, this is something that they bring upon themselves. Right. So now this is what we call the taqwini nidham, the nidham of the cosmos, that if you live lavishly and in your luxury, Okay, and you are, you become hedonist, and all you do is just uh, live a very uh, filthy life and a very extravagant life. Okay, then the things will add up; they will accumulate, and people will lose their self-respect, and then things will corrode from within, and people will start fighting over luxuries, and people will fight over parties. And people will then uh, kill each other, and people will then destroy each other, 
because of the lifestyle. So now, Allah doesn't come down from the heavens and, uh, you know, smack people in the face individually. That's not what this ayah means. That Allah sees them because of their sins. This is how it plays out in human time and space, in human history, that one thing leads to another. Hedonism leads to extravagance, it leads to a system of economics that is not viable, it is not sustainable, and people lose everything and so on. So the decline there is not just ethical, the decline is cultural, the decline is economic, the decline is financial, the decline is in community uh, not trusting anyone and so on. So this is how it plays out. Well, so when Allah says Allah uh, took them and seized them, it's not that they were punished necessarily. There were people whom Allah did punish, meaning the people of Nuh Allah punished through a divine chastisement and punishment. And there were others whom Allah punished. But usually, when the Qur'an speaks in broad terms and does not specify the punishment, it refers to the demise of human beings um, through their own system, and the system corrodes, and they capitulate, and so on. So that is what is meant here, in, in a very, as we call the cosmic cause and effect. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَانَتْ تَأْتِيهِمْ رُسُلُهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ فَكَفَرُوا فَأَخَذَهُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّهُ قَوِيٌّ شَدِيدُ الْإِقَارِ This ayah then explains that there are some people whom Allah does seize and capture because of the denial of prophets. They denied the prophets. The messengers came to them and then they disbelieved in the messengers and they disbelieved in Allah's signs. Uh, and they just refused to take heed in what Allah was saying and uh, they disbelieved فكفروا, and then Allah seized them this seizing now is uh, very individual <laughs> indeed he is very powerful Allah is powerful and very severe in punishment so at the beginning of the surah Allah subhanahu talks about divine mercy rahmah talks about the angels who carry Allah's throne and talks about the angels seeking forgiveness for those who believe in Allah, etc. And now we come to a point on the other extreme where people who refuse to believe in Allah, the Rasul, and everything else, then they, 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 they are now given this uh, unfortunate fate of being destroyed. That is Allah's being severe in punishment, very, very powerful, very overwhelming, and so on. Mm. So we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala illustrates to the reader, and especially to the Quraysh, uh, the pagan Arabs, that this, you know when you travel, you see all of this, and you must now understand that they, nobody lives on the earth uh, forever, everybody's going to die, so it's how you die that is more important than anything else. If you die because of Allah's punishment, uh, then you're in trouble. 
And if you die because you're doing good deeds and there's an re- another reason why you die, then that uh, that is Allah's rahmah uh, upon you. So, as I said, this is a, a prelude to the story of uh, Musa salam and Fir'aun and uh, the believing man, the one who believed in Musa salam, although he was from the family of Fir'aun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا مُوسَىٰ بِآيَاتِنَا وَسُلْطَانٍ مُبِينٍ That indeed we did send Musa with our signs and with a very clear and overwhelming uh, proof, Sultan. Sultan has many meanings, uh, as we know from the Arabic language. One is that Allah is saying, first of all, that we sent Musa with signs. So Allah always sends prophets with signs, signs of their prophethood and signs of Allah's power and Allah's fadl being with them. Okay. So these signs you might want to call miracles, but they're sometimes they're in the form of you know speech and elaborate explanation, in the form of being able to overpower people in conversation, in dialogue, in debate, and so on. There are other signs of strength and patience and forbearance and istiqama, as we call it. These are all signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gave to the prophets so it's not always just that they perform miracles uh, every time they see someone and the signs are very broad uh, so there's individual signs as I said being patient and being forbearing is a huge sign that Allah's fadl is with the Nabi human beings usually capitulate under pressure that's not a sign that you're on the truth. If you concede to falsehood and you give in and you say, okay, I'm not going to do this because it's not worth it and so on. That's a sign that you, not only you're weak, but your message is false. When the human being stands up for his principle and is willing to die for his principle, that's a sign that you actually believe what you believe in is the truth. Okay, so now the formidable patience of all the Prophets والسلام, is probably one of the better signs that Muslims should learn from rather than say that they are mu'ajizat. Uh, this is the inner mu'ajiza, this is the inner strength that Allah is revealing and Allah is, is, is expressing and manifesting that the more they persecute and the more they resist, the more the patience of the Nabi grows and the, the more the Nabi uh, shows strength and determination and dua and himma and all of that. So this is a sign. Um, so we, we have to be sometimes uh, careful that we just don't simply dismiss this as a mu'jizah. So there, there are many forms and many levels of mu'jizat that the Anbiya perform through Allah's fadl and through Allah's permission. Then these, these inner uh, proofs of fortitude and resolve okay, go a long way okay, because there's nothing uh, that uh, angers the people of falsehood than the determination of other people who are fighting them. 
nothing angers anyone more than that. Okay. I mean, you, if you have a more desire and you have a, a proof that you have a she camel uh, coming up there, they can just say that, 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 that's that's what, what you call it. Uh, that's sihr, that's witchcraft, or that's magic, or something. But if you stand up against everything they throw at you, then they're very angry. Angry. Um, yeah. So that's why the akhlaq and the ethics and the morals of all the prophets are, um, uh, are huge. They're like very tall mountains. They won't move. They won't budge. So their persistence and their perseverance is uh, from the bayinat, bil bayinat, or the ayat. Sorry, the ayat that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives to. The other ayat that Allah gave to Musa salam, the hand, the shining hand and the, the staff changing into a serpent and other, and there were nine signs altogether that Allah gave Musa salam, that mentioned in the Quran, some of them in Surah Al-Araf and some of them in other places. وَسُلْطَانٍ مُبِينٍ Allah subhanahu gave him a huge open authority, sultan, that you have dominion and power at the same time that he had authority in such a way that he was able to not just control himself, but control perhaps the dialogue that he had with the Fir'aun and his people. So this is domination, the word sultan gives you this meaning. So <coughs> anyway. Whom did we send Musa السلام, to? La Fir'aun, wa Haman, wa Qarun. Three types of people. One is the administration, the leadership, uh, the empire itself uh, that was manifested by the person who is Fir'aun of the Quran. That Allah sent Musa to Fir'aun. You know the story of. Musa salam being raised by Fir'aun, Fir'aun's wife in the palace and so on. So although he raised him and treated him like a son and a prince, Allah subhanahu sent Musa back to Fir'aun to guide him and to deliver the truth to him and so on. Well, Haman, Haman is, is uh, the engineer which they have now found that the word Haman uh, in, uh, that uh, Egyptology actually referred to an engineer that was the title that was given to the chief engineer so that was a title more than a name so, yeah. like Firan is a, a title uh, and so on well Qarun, Qarun is an individual person Qarun okay. yeah. is someone who symbolizes represents immense wealth huge amounts of money and gold and silver and uh, the Quran describes him previously that uh, his keys to his treasures were carried by very strong people so strong people had to carry the tree the keys to his his wealth and his kingdom so these were huge huge people people with great authority and power and wealth and domination and, and dominion so Allah sends Musa and Musa is no longer a prince, he is a fugitive and this is the irony of the whole story and that is how we get to understanding how Allah sends good people 
to deliver the message. فَقَالُوا سَاحِرٌ كَذَّابٌ So as I mentioned before, that they said that he is nothing except a sahir. He is a magician and he is a pathological liar. He lies and he lies and he lies. He is just telling falsehoods after falsehoods. So that is how the sequence of um, uh, human history uh, plays out. That there is falsehood, falsehood triumphs and there is injustice and Allah sends messengers and sometimes messages to people who are in the wrong and people who perpetuate falsehood and injustice but they don't see them as signs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they see them as whatever uh, some uh, phenomenon that they can overcome yeah. yeah so these signs are very prevalent everywhere in the world today and people believing people they understand that there's a message here Allah is delivering uh, so the uh, message is not really coded is very apparent Ooh, so the the message in the COVID is very simple get your act together right death is imminent uh, whether it's a conspiracy or what I, the fact is that you know you you have a headache and you don't need to know why you have the headache the thing is you have a headache so treat it mm. yeah so instead of worrying about how many conspiracies there are behind the covid which i'm sure there probably are but that's not what we can do we can't do anything about that I and mean, what we can do is take care of what we need to take care of so there is a message that is delivered through phenomenon through Allah's creation the creation delivers a message all the time uh, so the sun the moon the stars uh, and everything else they're also messengers uh, quote-unquote the weather the climate uh, yeah, they're all messengers they're delivering uh, so, sometimes the riyah and the winds are sent as glad tidings the Quran says right and the Prophet said that there's a certain type of wind that blows and is not a good wind so that not so good wind is sending a message and the Prophet would make dua that Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sharri hadhi rih min sharri ma fiha wa min sharri ma umirat biha Allah seek refuge in the evil of this wind and the evil that's in it and the evil that it is ordered to come with min sharri ma umirat biha so there's a message so Allah sends messages all the time through his creation the economy is going this way and people are dropping like flies in the country and this is happening globally and this is a pandemic and everybody just uh, with their eyes shut obviously the medical people do what they do mashallah alhamdulillah but human beings as a species need to realize there's a huge message that is being delivered and it's a no-brainer Allah is in control you're not God Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter which way you cut it you're not God so you better be careful but this is how Allah people what a thousand people a day past few days you don't lose that many people in a war a thousand a day 
but now you're dropping like flies. So what I'm saying is that the message is delivered through a messenger. Sometimes the messenger is an angel, sometimes the messenger is a human being, sometimes the messenger is the creation itself that are non-human. Nevertheless, there's always a message. And the prophets read the messages because they can decode and decipher instantaneously what the message is. Other human beings, they live in ghafla, they live in oblivion, and they live in negligence, and they don't see anything except what is being created. And they try to handle and tackle that, what's in front of them, and they forget who Allah is, and they forget who the Rasul is and so on. So now, when this is uh, explained to human beings, they have no recourse except to say this is magic or witchcraft, or they're just lying. They're all lies. It's false news, and so on. So that's how uh, human beings are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm just trying to connect this story to our current situation so that the Qur'an appeals to us this way also. فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ مِنْ عِنْدِنَا قَالُوا اقْتُلُوا أَبْنَاءَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ وَاسْتَحْيُوا نِسَاءَهُمْ وَمَا كَيْدُوا الْكَافِرِينَ إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالٍ And then when the haqq was uh, delivered to them, when it came to them from our servants and from our side, uh, they would say let's kill the people who are promoting this idea and this theory and uh, saying that this is a message from Allah so kill them and kill the sons of those who believe with them okay and then spare the women okay? which is not what people don't do that anymore either they don't spare anyone they just kill indiscriminately whether it's Rohingya whether it's in China or where there's other places in the world people just kill. They have to exterminate the population that believes in the truth. And this is a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah is in control and Muslims must do much more than uh, make dua for them. They have to do much more than that. Dua obviously is the least you can do. But anyway, so the Fir'aun and the Haman, they said the same thing to Musa salam that we're gonna now we're gonna kill you. So they killed their offspring and they spared their women and they put them into concentration camps and into uh, you know other places where they didn't enjoy any freedom, any luxury you know, whatsoever. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was there. He had a plan for Musa salam and his followers. And the scheming and the plotting of the non-believers and the disbelievers is in nothing except manifest error. That is going to be ruined and, and is going to be destroyed and so on. So this is to obviously uh, so give some assurance, reassurance to the Prophet and the, the small band of believers he had in Mecca that eventually the truth does prevail, you have to be patient and eventually Allah's help does come and although everybody has schemes and plots and they have conspiracies and they have this and that you must do what you can at the moment and you must make dua but you must stay upon the truth you cannot compromise with the truth because you are being persecuted 
and you are being marginalized or you are becoming victimized or you are in you know, a part of the Islamophobia uh, movement that is very apparent everywhere in the world and so you, you must hold on to the truth you do not change the truth uh, because people are calling you liars and magicians and calling you whatever um, so that's reassuring the Prophet Sallallahu and the Sahaba when these ayat are revealed to them they are reassured okay, this is Allah's help this is how Allah plays human beings this is how history uh, plays out and this is a true story and because the Quraysh knew about this civilization in Egypt which was next door and Allah is relating this story to them so that they have a historical reference uh, through their folklore, through their stories and through their travel to Egypt and everything else that there was someone like Firaun and who built all these palaces and all these uh, buildings and pyramids and etc. So they knew about this. So it was not something that was alien to their folklore or alien to their oral tradition. It was part of their understanding of their neighboring history, the history of their neighbors. So Allah is using this as a, a parable for them to say, okay, we don't want to persecute Muslims anymore. Uh, we will let them be who they want to be. But uh, obviously they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fir'aun said to Musa السلام, when he persisted that leave me, I will kill Musa and let him call his Lord, see who his Lord is. I'm his Lord, but let him call his Lord whoever his Lord is. So leave me to kill Musa. And this is obviously in consultation with the, the people in his court and his advisors and everybody in uh, his government, his administration. So the, the long story is a very long story uh, that we have Musa and Firon going back and forth in debates and dialogues and you know, this happened over many years and so on uh, so eventually Firaun said I, I can't tackle this guy every time I talk he defeats me and every time I do something there's another sign from his lord that his lord is in control I'm not in control now I've had enough of him it's time for me to kill him to execute him because I am the king uh, so now He's uh, seeking advice and permission from his people. And this is how uh, even, uh, you know, bad politicians must behave. They need permission from people uh, before they take on a major task like executing somebody in their kingdom. You You just don't kill people indiscriminately. You have to be much more tactful than that. So Firaun shows a certain amount of administrative skill certain amount of uh, he, he, you know, forbearance from his part. If he wanted, he could have killed most of Allah wouldn't have allowed that, but he could have made uh, this decision by himself. He didn't do that. So he's talking to his people, Dharuni, let me be, leave me alone, let me now execute this person. Well, to show that he has administration, to show that he has due process, to show that he has this, which obviously it doesn't matter if, if you're in Rohingya or in China. Well, so anyway, what I'm saying is that there, there is something to be said. 
about uh, due process and something is to be said about civilizational values, even if you're a tyrant and so on. Akhtul Musa, I'm going to kill him. And then uh, we can play this out in the religious arena, the arena of faith, and see if whether or not uh, his, his Lord helps him. I fear that he's going to change your religion. Uh, uh, meaning that the religion that the people of Firaun followed, that's also called the deen. Um, for you, your deen, and for me, my deen. So that's also a deen, except it's the wrong deen. It's a wrong system. It's false. So even though it's false, you call it a deen. So, so the only deen in the eyes of Allah, in the deen, in the Allah Islam, is Islam. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to their system of belief, and their system of governance, and their system of life as a deen, as a method. And so on. So I fear that he's going to change your civilizational values, your deen. I fear that his values and your values do not meet. They don't coincide. So I fear he's going to change everything that you live for and you live by. Either this or he's going to come and enforce corruption on earth. That if he doesn't do that, that he then he and his Lord are going to wage war with you and they're going to change the whole system and they're going to corrupt the whole system and so on. So now Firaun justifying his uh, position to execute Musa uh, based on this, uh, that we want to preserve our values and so on. So we also say the same thing, that we don't want to destroy any person, any civilization. We want to reform them and replace some of their values with better values that are more in line with the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the ethics and morals of prophets and so So this is how we see that Firaun is very perceptive. You can see he's very smart. Mm. But then Musa is smarter, <laughs> right? Yeah, so Musa was, was trained by Firaun in uh, worldly politics and the affairs of the state and the military, etc. So Musa salam, now is given Nabuwa and prophethood and wahi. So Musa salam, has uh, obviously more than an edge over Firaun, and then he also, uh, mashallah, responds to what Firaun is. Uh, thinking. وَقَالَ مُوسَىٰ إِنِّي Musa turns around and sends a message to Firaun if he's not there in person or he tells Firaun in person if he is there that I seek refuge in my Lord and in your Lord مِن كُلِّ from any such arrogant person who doesn't believe in the day of judgment meaning there's a day of judgment and on that day only Allah will be the judge everybody else will be judged so anyone who doesn't believe in the day of judgment is arrogant because then he feels that he is God and he's in control and there's no accountability it is only he in this world and then that's how they how people would live in this world as if there's no referee 
there's no accountability, no one's going to question them ever what they're going to say or what they're going to do. So now, in order to escape this, you invent a Redeemer. That there is sin, but we have a Redeemer, and that Redeemer will now take away all of our sins and will be saved because of the Redeemer, which is probably, you know, more arrogant than just saying, I don't believe in the Day of Judgment. Huh? And that's the height of arrogance, that there's a Redeemer who's going to uh, take away my sins and carry my sins for me, and so on. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So here, Musa is saying that I, I, I can debate you, and I can show you uh, through my political savvy, or my, my uh, earthly, uh, what do you call it, uh, understanding of how the world works and uh, my political science skills, etc., which you taught me, that you are wrong, but I'm not going to say that. Okay? So now he brings the Akhirah into the equation. Hmm. The Islam is about the Akhirah. So you bring Akhirah into the equation, then the opponent has nowhere to stand. The rules of debate. Uh, so you expand now uh, the message. So my message to you is not that I'm going to cause corruption on earth. I'm going to make sure there's no corruption for me on the Day of Judgment. I don't corrupt my Akhirah because of you, because that day is a long day. Yom al-Hisar is a long, long day. It's much longer than your life in this world and so on. So Musa is his understanding that I can't confront Fir'aun with any worldly dialogue because uh, you know he'll will go back and forth this way. This way. so as he has done before in other parts of the same story, Musa brings the Akhirah into the picture and says that there is a day of judgment and on the day of judgment there is a Lord. That Lord is my Lord and your Lord. And that, on that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not treat the person who is arrogant in the way that you are treating me. No. He will be much more forceful and he will show who's in charge and so on. So Musa responds to Fir'aun's comments about executing him by saying that I have refuge in Allah my Lord. I'm not seeking refuge in any form of asylum in the world. I'm not seeking asylum. I, I don't want to go to Haman or anyone else in your cabinet or in your uh, administration. I'm going straight to Allah. I believe in Him. He's going to give me asylum. So whether you execute me or you don't, it is now uh, besides the point for me. I believe in the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect me from the punishment of the Day of Judgment and so on. So this is how now the story and the table is set for this believing person which is the climax of the whole surah. Oh, yes, I, all of this was a tamheed, it was a muqaddimah, it was a prelude to this part of the story where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now shows another sign so you see more jizad, so more jizad coming many forms and many shapes and many sizes. This is a huge more jizad Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings to the forefront uh, and then informs Muslims of Makkah 
that uh, you will find help from places and sources that you can't even imagine. Help comes from Allah, from unexpected course, uh, quarters. Uh. Whoever fears Allah and trusts Him, then He will create exits uh, and uh, answers and solutions and give him from places that he does not even think of that's the rule in life for believers and this formula has been tried and proven uh, to the point of uh, conviction uh, it's no longer empirical it is a fact <laughs> so many people have tried this formula they believe in Allah they trust Allah they fear Allah and then Allah helps them from unexpected quarters unexpected quarters so meaning that if, if you calculate where Allah is going to help you from then you're not allowing Allah to be Allah then you're God I want Allah to help me this way so why don't you just do it yourself <laughs> if you want Allah to help you then you must let him help you the way he wants to help you ah. so now Musa is saying I seek refuge in my Lord Allah gives him refuge, asylum from an unexpected quarter. Totally out of left field, out of the blue. Musa Islam could not have imagined this assistance, this madad, this help that came from where? So a believing man said, who is this believing man? From the family of Firaun. Ah, yeah. From his own family, a believing man came forward. He had hid his Iman. Now he comes to the Prophet's rescue. When a Prophet's life is in danger, you are obligated to reveal who you are and you are obligated to help the Prophet. That's the rule. Musa had taught his people this way. This man probably disguised himself when he went to Musa and learned from him. Uh, people would not know who he is, what he is. But he knew the adab, the civilizational values of Islam, that when a Nabi's life uh, is in danger, you help and you expose yourself and you give your life for the Nabi. That's the rule. If you don't, then you're a grave sinner. A grave sinner. Yeah. And this is the message to the Sahaba. Uh, that when the Nabi's life is in danger, you must shield him. And that's what they did in Badr. And that's what they did in Uhad. And that's what they did in Hunayn. They physically shielded the Prophet ﷺ from arrows. Oh, yeah. So now, the, the irony obviously, and the paradox is that this believing man is part of the household Al of Firaun. So now you have two people. One is Firaun's own wife, who also comes to his rescue, and the other is this man. This man's name is unknown. Allah describes him, he doesn't say, so and so said this. 
Allah brings in the description of this man to show the reader of the Quran that it's not what his name is because that is Western history. You want to say, who is this person? What's his name? Allah says, never mind that. What you need to know is what's his sifa? What's his description? Rajulun mu'minun. A believing man. He believes in Musa alayhi salam, he believes in Allah, he believes in the message and the messenger. He is now coming to the forefront to defend Musa and say that you may kill me, but you're not going to kill him. Oh, this is from unexpected quarters. Where in the previous ayah, Allah says, from, uh, quotes Musa alayhi salam, Inni ulthtu bi rabbi wa Rabbikum, I seek refuge in my Lord and your Lord. So now, as part of Allah's Lordship over you, He has created this believing man from your family who's going to come to my rescue. He's my asylum. And I didn't even know he's my asylum. That's the test. Yeah. So there's a who He hid his faith. You can hide your faith as long as the Nabi's life is not in danger. He hid his faith, meaning that sometimes it is strategic to hide your faith so that, first of all, you're not killed in the process of learning about Islam and Deen. And number two, you can do much more good in that situation because you're probably part of the admin as part of the royal family you're probably giving assignments and uh, designating people to do this and that and through that disguise uh, you can actually help the believers and say uh, decrease the amount of punishment that is levied you can minimize the torture or you can provide provisions for them so that they are taken care of there are so many things you can do by hiding your faith but when push comes to shove then you have to expose yourself you're not doing this so this now very lengthy mashallah sermon he gives is such a great sermon that he gives the point that I want you to understand as we finish for today is that Musa al-Islam trained this person to speak this way this person who's believer and who's hiding his faith and belief did not receive wahi he's not a messenger but if you read the following ayat for the next 10-59 you'll see that subhanallah he has so much knowledge where did this knowledge come from this knowledge came from his meetings with Musa salam, and the knowledge Musa salam, imparted to this one man is mind-boggling it's stupendous so meaning there was formal training and there was formal education that every Nabi formally educated his people the believers as the Prophet ﷺ formally educated the Sahaba in Mecca and definitely in Medina it's not that you know, Wahi came and that was the end of the story and you recite the Quran there was nothing else afterwards no yeah. So there was structured, organized, formalized lessons, we might call them today lessons, just a word, that every Nabi had in conference with his followers. And that's the point I think you must take home, that you, you cannot understand Islam haphazardly. 
and you cannot understand Islam without a formal teacher uh, otherwise you'll go cuckoo as many people have become unfortunately uh, so but th- this is an amazing sermon is amazing khutbah if you are a khatira or lecture or whatever it is the reasonings behind everything that he says are just so in line with wahi and so in line with nabuwa and prophethood and so in line with the akhir that you are just amazed that perhaps he was a nabi <laughs> but he was not a nabi he was a rajalul mu'min he was a believing man so a believing man must show what he believes in I believe okay what do you believe in I don't know <laughs> what do you believe in Quran okay what does the Quran say well, I don't know I've never read it I believe in hadith like, well hadith I've never read it so what do you believe in yeah. just that the construct rajalul mu'minun is now full of so much nur and so much knowledge that if, if you open it up, if you make the tafsir of this, what this believing man is, then you'll see that uh, how much time did Musa invest with his people, training them, uh, educating them, teaching them, giving them lessons after lessons, uh, in order for them to realize this amount of, uh, mashallah, uh, accuracy in their presentation and representation of Islam, Islamic values. So this is now, as, as, I, as I mentioned, the prelude to this is that the Quraysh must travel the earth, and when they travel the earth, which they do anyway, they must see the ruins of other civilizations, and they must ask the question, why are they no longer a great civilization? And that is because Allah took them and punished them because of their sins. And what were their sins? Their sins of kufr, and their sins of tyranny, and their sins of injustice. When he has these three aligned, then you are ultimately, inevitably, you will be destroyed. And then in the, in the middle, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us that Fir'aun, although he was a savvy politician, he was no match for the iman and faith of Musa salam. And Musa salam announced that he believes in Allah and he seeks seek refuge in Allah. And then Allah delivers his refuge. So as soon as Musa says, I seek refuge in Allah, Allah delivers the refuge. That now this person, that Musa didn't know of. Musa knew the person, but he didn't know that he was from the family of Firaun. Okay. And he didn't know that he was there, listening to uh, this uh, dialogue or the, this whatever mandate Firaun was going to issue, and the warrant he was going to issue to execute Musa salam. And he comes out from the closet, and now uh, he delivers this mind-boggling speech. Uh, which is recorded uh, in eternity for eternity that all Muslims must read this passage from the Quran and seek refuge in it and seek guidance through it and then deliver the same message to everybody they know because it is mind-boggling and that's the reason why perhaps uh, some of the Mufassirun call this Surah Al-Mu'min, the believer because the believer, the story is the pivot uh, for the whole surah. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq and uh, gives us the understanding of the Quran in such a way that we're able to practice it and to apply it in our lives with ease and afia. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our efforts. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi al-ma'in. 
We will continue the tafsir next week, inshallah. Although it will be the third day of Eid, but uh, you had, uh, mashallah, almost a year's break, so no more breaks. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum.